Hey, you gonna watch the game on Sunday? Yeah, I want to, but I can't. I have this, like, this thing I have to go to. What thing? Well, it, you know, it's like, well, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like church. A little, little holy water. The food look unblessed. I'm sorry, I just need it. Let's go that. You gonna watch the game on Sunday? No, I have mass, so I'm not gonna miss mass for a game. I'm Catholic. This is this is way more important. Hey, are you gonna watch the game on Sunday? No, I'm gonna record it. I have church at six o'clock. Where do you go to church? St. Timothy's. Where do you go? Well, I haven't really been in a while. You should come sometime. I think you're really gonna like it. Are you gonna play? Um, no. Well, is, is everything okay? I'm just really worried because um, my mom is getting tested for cancer tomorrow. Oh. I'm just a little worried because um, my mom is getting tested for cancer tomorrow. Oh, that's no good. Has she been to confession recently? Um, we're not Catholic. You want to get on that. If something happens to her, you don't want her to die in a state of serious sin. <sighs> My mom is getting tested for cancer tomorrow. I'm so sorry to hear about that. I'll definitely pray for her. Thank you. Can we listen to some music? Yeah, pick whatever you want. Dirty, dirty song, explicit lyrics. I bet you that your mama don't want you to hear. Kind of love that song. And making it glamorous. Yeah, it's real gangsters. I'm like a nasty booker on your jacket. I make noise with my mouth. It's a passion. I'll let you boy. Play this song at home and you might get grounded. Hey, do you mind if we listen to some music? What did you have in mind? Who's gonna turn on the radio? No. Let's not ingest worldly poisons. How about we sing? I've been learning some Gregorian chant. Gregory who? Hey, can we listen to some music? Sure. Have you ever heard of Icondolo? No, uh-uh. So great, you gotta listen to it. Awesome. Something happens, you don't want her to die in a state of serious sin. Serious sin. <laughs> <laughs>
Test, 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 test. There you go. There you go. Whenever there's technical difficulties, means that God really has a strong message that he wants to deliver. And that's what we're going with for this morning. What we are talking about here, welcome, first of all, to those who are kind of joining us here for the first time. What we're talking about here is we're in the middle of a series called World Changers, and we're talking about how the disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, after they witnessed the resurrection of Christ, their lives were never the same, and the world was never the same, because that one event and their belief in that one event changed their lives and changed the world around them. Last week, we talked about world-changing prayer. Today, we're talking about world-changing speaking. Now, the thing about speaking is this. Speaking has gotten a bad reputation these days. All the idea of be politically correct, don't offend anybody, don't step on anybody's toes, all of which things I agree with all those things. Like, I'm not against any of those things. But sometimes we take those things and we've gone too far with them and we've gotten to the point that we are sometimes willing to disobey a commandment of God in the name of being politically correct. And that's why I say that speaking has gotten a bad reputation these days. Jesus was pro-speaking. He was all about speaking. And he commanded those who believed in him that if they truly believed in him, they have to tell other people and let other people know. Matthew 16, 15, the verse that you just saw at the end of the, the video, but actually had the wrong reference in the video. I don't know if you noticed that. It's 16, 15, not 15, 16. It's going to the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, Jesus was pro-speaking, and we ignore this command under the idea of we want to be politically correct, we don't want to be intolerant, we don't want to be offensive, and again, I'm all for all those things, but sometimes we take it too far. What you hear often these days, and I'm sure every single person in this room has said it, you hear a talk or a study or you read a verse about evangelism, and you say the standard response is, I don't need to speak with my words. I let my actions do the talking. That's what we all say, right? My actions are a witness. I don't need my words. And then we quote great verses in the Bible, and then we quote that famous one from, I think, St. Francis of Assisi said it, that preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And we love verses like that because it sounds spiritual, and it sounds a lot right. And again, I'm not against actions. Like, I don't think anything I'm saying is against acting in a way that's witness but sometimes, I want to see if you agree with me, actions aren't enough. You need to use your words. For example, back in the day when me and Marianne first got married, we lived in a little townhouse over in Fairfax. And if you were to come visit us on the townhouse, townhouse only had one parking spot, so you couldn't park there. So you had to park on the street and walk down this hill. Right, you had to park up on this street. Our house is over here. Right, you had to park on that street and then walk down the hill. So what I would do oftentimes, because people wouldn't know where to park, is I would meet them you know, up on the hill and walk them down the hill over to my house. If you didn't live in the neighborhood, you may not know that this hill is a danger zone. Because this is where all the dogs poop. And if you don't know any better, you're going to step in some poop if you're not careful. This is like landmines in this, in this hill. So what would happen is I would walk, and of course I would know where the poop is, and I'd weave my way up, and then I'd walk down. And then let's say you're walking with me, okay? And I met you up on the hill, and I want to say walk, just, and I say, you know what, walk to my house. And then I'm walking, and I see some poop coming here, so I just gradually start to walk like this, and I walk right by the poop. But I don't say anything to you. Are my actions enough to let you know that there was poop there on the ground? Like, if you had stepped in the poop, 
And you say, how come you didn't tell me? I say, I was leading by action. You didn't see me take one step to the left, you should have known to follow in my tracks. You see, there's sometimes that actions aren't enough. The people won't get it unless you use your words and you speak up. And as great as it is to be a witness with our actions, and as great as it is to show the love of Christ through our deeds, there has to come a point in time where you also use your words to proclaim that same message. St. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He said, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. You know what he's saying? He's saying, how in the world am I call myself a friend to someone and not tell them that there's poop on the ground? How in the world am I just going to walk by it myself and just hope, wish for the best? How can we get back to the house and I say that I truly love you and I care about you and I watch you just walk into poop and I didn't say nothing about it? That's why he's saying, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel because it's my duty if I truly love someone. Our message here for today is there are times the world needs today audio-visual Christians. And we like visual, but the world needs both. Because watching it on TV, as actually we just witnessed, watching that video at the beginning when the sound wasn't working wasn't as much fun, was it? It didn't give us much meaning, did it? Maybe that's why God did it. And me standing up here, and you don't hear my voice coming out the microphone, isn't going to do you much good. And there are many people that we know in this world that are walking into poop left and right. And the world needs us to step up and speak boldly in a world-changing kind of a way. Last week, we talked about world-changing prayer. Okay, the premise of the series from two weeks before that was that faith is not belief. Y'all remember? Faith is not belief. Belief. Faith is behavior born out of belief. Y'all remember? Faith is not, I believe in my head. Faith is, I take an action, and that shows my belief. Like we talked about Abraham and Isaac. All right, Abraham's faith was not that he said, I believe that God is God. Faith was that he took Isaac, his son, up the mountain, and he went to slay him. Faith is not a mental acknowledgement. Faith is a behavior born out of a belief. And then last week we talked about prayer, that what you pray for reflects what you believe. You pray little prayers, you believe in a little God. You pray selfish prayers, you believe in a God who is your servant and you are the master. Today we're going to say the same concept when it comes to speaking. And here's our key thought for today. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And if there's a problem in our speech, I say it's a problem in our belief. Because we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Y'all agree with me? We're looking at the book of Acts during this series, and we're seeing about how a group of people who before a certain event, the resurrection, they were very timid. And someone said, hey, you believe? And said, no, 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 I don't believe. Hey, you're his follower? No, I'm not his follower. Hey, you're with him? No, no, it's not me. And then their belief in this event, which is the same event that we believe in, and the same event that we profess that we believe in, and it's the same faith we say that we have that same apostolic faith, the same faith they had. Well, somehow that belief, that faith, led them to be extremely bold in their speech. The Bible says this in Acts 4.31. <clears throat> and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled, prayer was last week, okay? World-changing prayer. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And after they prayed, what happened? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. 
It cannot, the verse cannot say that they prayed, the place was shaken, they were filled, and then they went home and played uh, solitaire with each other, or by themselves, I guess. Sorry. It can't, the verse can't say that. It can't say that they believed, they prayed, shaken, Holy Spirit, and then they went home and went to sleep. It can't. It has to be when you believe something deeply, it has to find its way out your mouth. We're in a story from Book of Acts, Chapter 4, that we've been kind of following every week, taking a different part of the story. It's a story of when Peter and John, disciples of the Lord, now apostles, they were walking by in the street, and there was a man who was lame from his birth. All right, he was paralyzed, okay? 40 years, that guy's been sitting there as a beggar. And they walk up to him, boldness, and they said, you stand up and walk. He said, give me money. They said, no, we don't have money. We got something better than money. Stand up in the name of Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he stood up and walked, and everyone said, wow, this is the best thing in the whole wide world. The Sanhedrin, who was the ruling body of the Jews at the time, did not think this was the best thing in the whole wide world because they were not big fans of Jesus. They called the disciples in, Peter and John, said, hey, why are y'all talking about this Jesus guy? We put an end to all that. And they said, we don't care what it is that you say. And they, even though they want to shut them up and say, you're not allowed to do this and stop this, they have a problem. And the problem is, as they're saying, stop telling people that Jesus did this miracle, the problem is that there's a lame man who was paralyzed for 40 years the whole world knew outside. That lame man was running around the city playing hopscotch, all right, and, 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 and doing the jig down Main Street, and he's telling everyone that these guys healed me because of the power of Jesus. So as much as they want to shut him up, they got a problem because they have the testimony of this man outside. We'll pick up the story there. Acts 4, verse 14 <clears throat> through 16. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. I love this passage. We cannot deny it. We want to tell everyone this isn't true, but we cannot. We don't understand. We don't even really believe, but we can't deny it. You ever been in that way in life? Where there's something that you want so much to not believe because you can't understand it, you can't explain it, but you can't deny it. This is the way God works. These guys said, we don't understand how this works, but the truth is we cannot deny it. I'm telling you, I've seen this in my life. I've seen miraculous healings just like this. Where doctors say, we can't explain it, but we can't deny it. I told you all a story last week about a married couple, eight months, who want to kill each other, want to throw each other off a bridge if they could. Now all of a sudden, they started back together. Me, I don't believe it, but I can't deny what I see. Sometimes they talk to parents. They say, my kid was, my kid was, my kid was. I say, yeah, but now look at your kid. I don't understand it, but I cannot deny it. That's where these guys were <clears throat> right here. Verse 17, the story goes on. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. What's it, by the way, that it spreads no further? What's it? What's it? The gospel of Jesus. Christianity. Okay, what's called the way. This thing at the time, which didn't have the name Christianity, just had this thing like this movement. These people preaching this, this dead man is alive. Okay, this, this idea which makes no sense. How can a dead man be alive? That's what makes him dead. They're preaching he's alive and he's doing miracles. So if this thing goes no further, let's just tell them, let's severely threaten them. And from now on, they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. 
Notice that they didn't tell them, don't tell people about the miracle. They said, don't tell anyone about Jesus. And if you notice, 2,000 years ago, the world is exactly the same as it is today. Go to your office, say, I believe in God, no problem about God. Say, I'm a spiritual person, no problem about spiritual. That means whatever it is you want it to mean. Say that you go to some place of worship, no problem. Say, I believe in Jesus, just that name, Jesus. We don't like that name. Just say, a being. Just say, whatever God you believe in. But you say, no, Jesus is the true son of God. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And you start saying that stuff, people don't like it. And people, because that name causes people to have problems, just like it did back then. Story goes on. Now watch how they respond. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Basically saying, we have two choices. We can listen to you or listen to God. Who do you think we're going to listen to? And they're asking them, like, you, you tell us. But of course, they're being sarcastic. <clears throat> For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What they are saying right there is that when you believe something deeply, you speak about it boldly. And we don't really have a choice in this matter. Why? Why? Why can the, the expression, we cannot but speak, meaning it is not a possibility for us, meaning it's not our choice. Telling us to stop speaking the name of Jesus is like telling me, stop your heart from beating. I can't. Stop your lungs from breathing. I can't. Stop your blood from moving around in there. I can't. Stop speaking Jesus. I can't. Why? Why? Because man, if you saw what we saw and you heard what we heard, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. They're saying to them, look, if you'd have seen a man dead, not dead, dead, dead. Like no man has been more dead than Jesus was dead on that Good Friday. No one was more dead. We saw the nails. We saw the blood. We saw the crown of thorns. We saw the whipping. We saw his body dead, dead, dead. We saw it. The whole city saw it. And then we saw him alive. And we touched him. And we ate with him. And he walked down the street, and over 500 people saw him. Man, if you saw what we saw, we can't. If you saw what we saw and then saw that same Jesus before he ascended up to heaven, say one thing I want you to do. One thing I want you to do. Go into every corner of this earth and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples and baptize them. If you heard what we heard, how are we going to stop preaching? Like it's not our choice. If you saw what we saw, you heard what we heard. Make it more personal. What do you think Peter would say? Peter was one of these two. It was Peter and John. I think Peter would say, if you knew how much I was forgiven, if you saw what I did to him before he died, how I denied him, and then you saw how he restored me, how he gave me, a, I want to say a second chance, a bazillionth chance, and you saw the grace, you saw the faith he put in me, and you want me to keep my mouth shut? you got better luck tell that sun not to shine than tell me to shut up because we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard truth of the matter is ladies and gentlemen you know this to be true anything that we are excited about we talk about anything that we are excited about we talk about you love sports sports is always on your mouth it doesn't take anyone more than 10 minutes hang out with me no i care about sports because once that conversation hits an awkward stop i bring up sports because that's what i care about 
You watched a great movie, you tell the whole world about the movie. You saw a sale at Macy's or Nordstrom or wherever it is, the whole world knows about the sale. We cannot help speaking about the things that excite us. Why? Because if we, we speak boldly about those things which we believe deeply. You believe with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength that you today won the lottery. You think, what's the likelihood? If you really believe it, like if someone says, yeah, Ed McMahon sent you a thing in the mail, you're ten okay, whatever. I'm not telling anyone about that. But if you really believe that you won the lottery today, you think that anyone's going to make it out of this room without the whole wide world knowing that you won the lottery and you could tell your boss to kiss your whatever? Do you think that's going to be a secret for long? We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And maybe the problem isn't that we are afraid to be bold. Maybe the problem is that we don't believe deeply. Some people tell me, I guess, I, 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 I guess, at times I get kind of animated up here. I guess. I've been told. <clears throat> Say, why do you get all? Especially like if you're familiar with most Orthodox churches. Okay, Orthodox priests. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like the really spiritual ones, like the more depressed, the more spiritual. That's usually how it is. All right? That's why when people see me, they say I is a rookie. All right, he'll become depressed like us after a while. Okay, give him a few years. Right. <laughs> truth is, I will say what they say. This isn't a show that I'm putting on up here. The truth is, I speak passionately because I believe deeply. I believe with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength that a life with Jesus is 10,000 times better than a life without him. And I, you can't shut me up on that because I live both lives. I lived a life without and I lived a life with. And I can tell you it's night and day between the two. And I live a life outside the church, and I live a life inside the church. And that's why when I speak about the church, I get passionate, because I know the difference. I know a life where you say, I'm going to do it my way. And I know a life where you say, whatever God says, I will do it. And the satisfaction and the joy between these two is night and day. So I'm not, I'm not just up here for show. I'm telling you, I cannot speak, cannot but speak the things that I've seen and I heard. If I hadn't seen it, I wouldn't speak it. But if I've seen it, you can't shut me up. You know, in the, uh, in the liturgy, when we pray in the divine liturgy, what's the very last thing that the priest says in the divine liturgy? We do all the sacrament, receive the body and blood of Christ, pinnacle up here. And at the very, very end, the priest says to the people, go in peace. May the peace of God be with you all. Go in peace. I read a nice meditation on that, go in peace. What's go in peace? What's go? You know how we interpret it? Drive home safely. <laughs> Drive home safely. Hopefully you don't get a ticket. Hopefully you don't get stopped. Make it home safely. As if the goal of everything we just did, the pinnacle, we receive the body and blood of Christ. And the goal, make it home safely. Go is a commandment. And Jesus gave the same commandment of go to his disciples and his apostles. And he commanded them to go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel. And when the church commands us to go, it is not just make it home safely. I'll show you a nice meditation I read on it from um, uh, a bishop in the church, in the, in the Orthodox church, his name is uh, Anthony Bloom. He's saying, no, it is not that. It doesn't mean just go home and arrive home safely and try not to get a ticket. It means that you have been on the Mount of Transfiguration. You have seen the glory of God at the end of the liturgy, after you've partaken. 
You have been on the road to Damascus. You have faced the living God. You have been in the upper chamber. You have been here and there in Galilee and Judea and all the mysterious places where one meets God. Because we don't believe that we're just commemorating an event. We believe we are meeting God face to face. It's saying the same Jesus on the mountain, you're there. And the same road he walked on, you're there. You've seen him living God face to face. Go now. And if you truly have discovered joy, how can you not give joy to others? If you truly have come near to truth, how can you keep it to yourself? If truly something has been kindled in you, which is life, are you going to allow anyone not to have a spark of life? It does not mean go around and tell everyone specifically religious things or use clerical phrases. It means that you should go into all the world which is yours with a radiance, with a joy, with an intensity that will make everyone look at you and say, he has something he hadn't before. I love that. This guy who just walked out of church, something is special about this guy because he's shining, because he's full of joy, because he's full of life. Is it that truly God has come near? He has something he never had before in which I do not possess joy, life, certainty, a new courage, a new daring, a vision. Where can I get it? <clears throat> That's what it means to go. If truly... We believe that when we gather around the table of the Lord and we receive the body and blood of Christ, we have been given new life. We have been given remission of sins. We have been, been given a power and a grace to live a life that no one else in this world can live. Now how in the world we're not going to tell the whole wide world when we get out these doors? How in the world we're not going to shine with radiance? You say I'm not bold. I say the problem is not that you're not bold. I say the problem is you don't believe. And maybe... Just maybe, when you tell me, cool it, keep it down, don't be so passionate. Maybe the problem with my passion is that it reflects on your lack of belief. If someone asked me, tell me about your kids. You like your kids? You, I don't have to think, um. <laughs> no, it'll ooze out, because I love my kids. And I tell you about each and every single one of them, what I love about them. And I wouldn't have to think about it, and I wouldn't have to pray about it, and fast about it, and prepare. I love my kids. You ask me, you like your kids? I love my kids. And I'll sit you down, and I'll tell you exactly what about each one I love about them. When someone comes and say, hey, you went to church this morning, how was it? Sit down, let me tell you about church. Because let me tell you what I received at church. It comes out of us. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to make the assumption that you're convinced that you need to speak boldly. Because <clears throat> it's commanded from page one to page whatever of the Bible. You believe that you need to, but you don't know how to. So I'm going to go to the how. But I hope you're convinced on the, the need to. How do I speak boldly? What do I say? It's awkward. Is it awkward? Yes, it's awkward. It's awkward. I'm the first one to say it's awkward sometimes, but that doesn't mean we let the awkwardness stop us. I believe that there's a simple plan or strategy or, or I won't say formula, but like a formula, that you follow this formula, you take away the discomfort. And the formula is very simple. <clears throat> World changers follow a before and after model. <clears throat> you want to speak like a world changer? You follow a before and after model. What's a before and after model? It's very simple. This is the way I was before. This is the way I am after. Bible says this. We'll get with this picture because it's PG-13 picture right there. 
2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We in Christ, we're a new creation. We're given a new chance. We're given a new start. We're given new power. We're given new joy. We're a new creation in Christ. Everything about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ talks about old things going away and all things becoming new. <clears throat> Is that true for you? Can you say that I'm a new person because of Christ? I hope the answer is yes. This is not a trick question. I hope the answer is yes. I hope that you can say that yes, I am a new person. Uh, you don't need to, to, I'm not talking about Bible study or doctrine or, or theoretical stuff. I'm saying simple. I used to have a temper and God has changed my temper. I used to, like I said, I used to live without Christ. And I was walking my own walk. And then I found that life with Christ is so sweet, so sweet. That never went back, before and after. Let's say I'm trying to sell you, even though I'm not saying evangelism is like selling, but you understand the concept. I'm trying to sell you on a diet plan. How am I going to convince you about a diet plan? Do I say it's, it's nice, it uh, tastes good, uh, it's cheap? Okay, those are all nice, but I want to see before and after. What do you look like before? What do you look like after? Because if before and after is the same, I'm not spending a penny on that dumb diet. You tell me I met a great counselor. Okay, tell me what you were like before. Tell me what you're like after. But don't just tell me he's a very nice man. We had, who cares if he's a nice man? There's many nice men. I'm not going to pay $100 an hour to speak to a nice man. <clears throat> I'm going to pay $100 an hour someone who's going to make me after what I wasn't before. Well, you, when you preach Christianity, your walk with God is the same way. That need to be dramatic. That need to be I was, I was living a drug-filled, satanic, worshiping life, and then a light. Like, that need to be crazy. It'd be normal. In fact, I'm, I'm encouraging you, avoid the crazy. If you have the crazy story, keep it for the second or third story you tell. Don't tell them the first one. It just makes people think that we're all crazy. <laughs> Simple story. Like I said, my marriage was going the wrong path. And then we started praying. And we started to take our life with God seriously. And God transformed two people who were just roommates into one flesh. My finances were all upside down. Man, I was... And then I started tithing and giving to God as it is commanded in the scripture. And I started obeying God's rules for my finances, not the world's rules. And I cannot tell you the blessing I have found financially ever since I started obeying. Before and after. That's it. That's all it needs to be. In the Bible, best example of a before and after guy. In John chapter 9, there's a man who was born blind. On the day he was born, he was blind. Jesus came, you all know the story, takes some mud spits on it, rubs on the guy's eyes, tells him to go wash in a pool, and he came back seeing. And they asked this man, hey, who is this Jesus guy? And what did he say? He said very simple, John 9, 25. He said, look, he may be a sinner or not. I don't have a faintest idea. I know one thing, that though I was blind, now I see. And I'm telling you, this one sentence speaks volumes more than any theology he would preach, any Bible study he would give, any history, none of that stuff. I was blind. Now I see. I was angry. Now I'm not. I was miserable. Now I'm joy. A Samaritan woman. How would she say? What would be her story? Say, hey, you should have seen how miserable my life was. Man, I despaired even of life. I hated, everyone hated me and I hated myself even more. And then I met this man and he gave me a renewed hope in life. And after I met this man, I believe that God really does love me. Tax collector Levi, who became Matthew. 
okay, was hated by the whole world. He had the most miserable job and he, and he had the low self-esteem and everything. He said, no, but I met Jesus. And even though I was a crook and I was a robber, he believed in me and he gave me a chance to do something great before and after. Is it complicated? Is it easy? I'm going to say it's not complicated, but it's also probably not easy. And I agree with that, okay? So don't, I'm not saying this is easy, but I'm saying it's not as complicated as we make it. And what I want to challenge everyone here to do, I'm going to challenge you three challenges, okay? This is our world changer challenge for the week. Three things if you want to be a world changer. Number one, prepare your story. Number two, pray for opportunities to share it. And number three, proclaim it boldly. Prepare, pray, proclaim. Prepare your story. Pray for opportunities to share it and proclaim it with boldness. <clears throat> the hardest part is step number one. Have you ever thought about, and I encourage you, and, and if you do it or don't, like it's up to you, but I, I like to write stuff down. I think more clearly when I write stuff down. So I actually went through this exercise, all right? Have you ever thought, what's your story? Put it down on paper. Some of y'all know that I, I, I felt like God is calling me to like write a book, Okay, so one of the things that when I started preparing for this write a book is, is to put my own story down on paper. And as I'm putting it down, like when you write it, like stuff becomes clear. And I'm not saying you write it but you want to get published or anything like that. I'm saying you write it so it becomes clear so that when someone asks you and someone says to you why or how come, then you have a well-organized or at least a prepared statement or prepared story that you can share. I think oftentimes we are timid because we're not prepared. And someone asks us a question, we don't know the answer, so we just stay away. But if I had an answer ready, I bet you'd be much more likely to share it. And when I say prepare your story, it's very simple. It's just answer this question. What difference has Jesus made in your life? What difference has the church made in your life? What difference has prayer made in your life? What difference has anything having to do with God made in your life? If the answer is Jesus has not made a difference in, in my life, then we got a problem. We got a different problem because then you're not connecting with the right person. Because he always changes stuff. He always, he sees water, he makes wine. That's who he is. What difference has Jesus made in your life? I tell you how I always think of my story, the question that I always get. And think about it in terms of the question that you may get asked. All right? The question that I always get asked is, I was ordained as a priest when I was 25 years old. All right? And most people say when they find that out, like how at 25, like at 25, like, no offense to the 25-year-olds, but like, like, most of us were like, like picking our nose, like, you know, trying to make money. Like, how is it that at 25 you decided you were going to do this? Like, were you? And that's the question that I get oftentimes. So I got my answer prepared, and it's very simple. Like I started to share with you guys. To me, there's no, there's no question about it because I lived my life without God. And I know how satisfying life without God is. And then it came a point in time in my life where I said, you know what, I'm going to give God a try. And as I gave God a try, the more I said yes to him, the more the joy, the satisfaction, the more everything went up. And the more I said yes, the more up. The more yes, the more up. So I came to a point in time in my life, before I was a priest, I said, you know what? I'm never going to say no to him. Not because I'm a good guy. Not because I'm very unselfish. Not because I enjoy the uniform. I'm going to never say no for one thing. Because every time I say yes, I feel much better about myself. My life is more blessed. So how in the world am I going to say no? So when they said priest, okay, sure, no problem. Because I already said yes. And I always end the story by saying, 
There was a time when I was convinced that God being part of my life would add no value. And now I am fully convinced that if I don't have God in my life, I have no value. I'm not preaching. Do whatever you want to. I don't care what you do. But this is my story. This is me before. This is me after. This is me doing it my way. This is me doing it God's way. This is me life on my own without the church. This is me saying the church is the most important part of my life. Nothing else is more important than my church. I love my family. I love my friends. Nothing's more important to me than to be part of this body. And not just part of it, one foot in, one foot out, to be all in, as we've talked about many times in 2014. All into this place, because this place is what feeds me and makes me who I am. Think through for you. What would you say? Has Jesus made a difference in your life? What's that difference been? Try to put it down. And like I said, I encourage you, put it on paper. Okay, at least jot down some notes because then it becomes clear. You never know when you're going to be walking down the hill with someone and you're going to see that pile of poop right there and you're going to wish that you had a prepared, know what it is that you want to say and that might just be world changing for somebody else. Back to this verse that I want to wrap up here with. Acts 4.20. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Since we're talking about speaking, let's do a little. Y'all say this, say, say this verse with me. All right, let's read it all together. Acts 4.20 says, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Say it again and say it like you mean it. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. This needs to be our motto in life. Our motto in life isn't that we're trying to preach to anyone. I, I, I'm commanding you, go out of here, don't preach to no one. But whatever you have seen and heard, man, we can't help but speak those things. And I guess in the end, that the challenging part for this is that we, are, we have to, to, to really like challenge ourselves, say, what difference has Jesus made in my life? And I guess that's the really challenging part, is that what have I seen? What have I experienced? What have I lived through that he has helped me through or gotten me through that I wouldn't have been able to make through without him? World-changing speaking. You can't, tell the, you can't tell the sun, stop rising in the morning. You can't tell the birds, stop singing. And you can't tell someone who has been made a new creation, who has received the grace of God, to stop telling people how great that God is. What I'm going to do is invite our music team, if y'all don't mind, come back up here. And I thought it'd be appropriate that we spend, just sing one song together, spend a little bit of time in prayer, all right? And here's my prayer that I want all of us to pray, okay? Here's my prayer. My prayer is that our belief in the resurrection of Christ, that our faith in the resurrection of Christ would be so real that it's not a historical event, that it's not just something we read about like a story, but it would be so real. And we believe, the stuff that we say we believe, that we really, really believe it, that he is risen from the dead, and he does give life to those who believe in him, and that all who call upon his name have a chance to live with him forever. And I hope that belief is a real, 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 real belief. It's as real as, like I said, the sunrise in the morning. Anyone says the sunrise in the morning, I say, yes, the sunrise, bet all your house, bet your money on the sun coming up in the morning. And say, do the birds sing? Yes, put your money on the birds sing. And someone says, does Jesus give life? Absolutely, bet the farm on it that a life with Jesus is better than a life without him. Bet the farm on it that a life with him, obeying his commandment, never regret it. And I want us to believe that.
with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we're going to go out these doors, and man, you're going to have to tape our mouths shut. We're going to go out there and just taste the Arlington thing here in Boston, and they're going to say, this was the most unique taste of Arlington and everything, because it was overrun by these weird people dressed in nice church clothes, and they all talking about what they seen and what they heard, and what a difference is Jesus has made in their lives. And I hope we don't end up in front of the Sanhedrin people, but if we do, that we say like they say, that we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and that we have heard. Let's stand up together. Maybe we dim those lights. And we'll just take like a minute of silence.
Son and the Holy Spirit, God, amen. Lord, we do love you with all of our heart, with all our soul and all our mind. And Lord, we want to love you with all of our speech as well. Lord, we do believe that you are risen from the dead. And all the things, Lord, that we say, that sometimes we know our lives don't always say that we believe, but we do believe, Lord. And we pray that you would make that belief in you that you are the greatest thing in the universe and you are our life you are our way you are our light you are everything for us lord and i pray that you would first and foremost convict every single person of that that without you we truly are nothing without you we can do nothing and without you lord the sun doesn't shine in the morning without you there's no goodness in this world i pray that you would convict every single one of us of that and then you would give us the boldness to proclaim what we have seen and heard to all the ends of the earth. Lord, forgive us for so many times shying away about speaking about you. Forgive us for being scared of what people would think or what people would say. Forgive us, Lord, for all those opportunities that we just watched people walk in the poop and we didn't say anything. Give us, Lord, to have like this world-changing boldness and this world-changing speaking that there isn't a soul that knows us that doesn't know that you, Jesus, are the center of everything that we have, and we love you with all our heart, with all our soul, all our mind, and all that we are. Accept our prayers this day in the name of your Son, our Lord and our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and with the prayers and the intercessions of all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Just a reminder, scheduling note, that next week we're not having the well because we'll be away at the getaway. And then two weeks or three weeks from today is Friends and Families Day. Friends and Family Day. So there's a great chance for us to invite someone to church. And after we said about world change and speaking, I don't think... I'm not even saying say your story to someone, okay, but just invite someone to church is a great chance to do that on June 8th. Hope everyone prays about it, takes seriously, and finds